Hello, welcome to today's episode of Pipeline Things. We uh, continue the EMAT trend that we've been on, taking a look at what if scenarios. When you get your EMAT report, Christopher and I bat a couple of things back and forth. What if you have 120 long seam features? What if you ran it in seamless conditions with cold tar coating and you got 100 pipe body features? How do you prioritize so, those? Wait, what's the objective of this issue again? This show? We hit on what is your objective with EMAT. Objective, objective, objective. Hope you enjoy it. Leave us your feedback. Thank you very much. Oh. All right. Hello. Welcome to today's. You did that. You did that quite well. For those of you who did not who do not watch on the YouTube. Uh, we're in a little bit of a different situation today. I, I, I uh, was shooting from the back of Ooh. my truck mm -hmm. in the lab, and I didn't know if Chris was actually gonna make that jump onto the back of the tailgate. Uh, yeah. That was impressive, Chris. I, I challenged him to a, a box jump on the tailgate, and he won't do it. He's afraid he's gonna hit no, his I face. Said, no, so. I said, I'd face plant into it, man. I can't <laughs> jump that well. All right, hey, uh, welcome to today's episode of Pipeline Things. I am your host, Thing 20. Uh, this is my co-host, Thing 21. Not lesser, clearly in his vertical leap abilities capabilities. than mine. Vertical leap capabilities. But maybe it's all lesser. in the quads and the calves, baby. <laughs> it is prominence on the show. We're super excited to be with you guys as we pick it up today. Always looking for something kind of fun to do. So today, again, shooting in a little bit of a different setting. Yeah. You know, but I feel like trucks kind of fit, you know, the whole the whole gene of pipelines anyway. So Ooh. you feel like- Because he like wastes a lot of gas? Maybe so, supporting the industry, baby. 11 miles a gallon, baby. Yeah, this is true. And there's so many things. It's not 11, it's closer to 13 for my truck, just for the record. But I don't pass many gas stations. Um, you know, while we're doing this, we, we really should point out again, for those of you who are watching us on the YouTube, you might notice that we are in matching shirts this time. Thing 20, thing 21. Uh, if you also notice, these are the same shirts that we wore when we did 5K Ooh. at AGA. Um, we're not going to talk about the results no. of that 5K or how it went. Mm -mm. Um, it was somewhere between, you know, uh, good and great. Good and great watching that amazing marathon runner and then Michael Scott and the 5K that he did in, in the office. It was somewhere between the two of those. But it was a lot of fun. Uh, Check love, out the pictures. Yeah, love being out there sporting AGA and thank you guys so much. Um, and wait, no, we always have to say this. And ADV marketing for always making our swag on point. Dude, ADV I mean, marketing does make our swag stuff, on point. Man. We have to shout out to them especially because yeah. Miss Producer is really angry at us today because oh, we were late. We were 30 minutes, she, actually 37 minutes late for the show, she reminded me. Yeah. Well, she, she thinks she's flashing 40 at us right now. Can you imagine, do you, what if? We were on a, time. A what if? Well, that's another what if. What if we didn't have ADV She's marketing? Laughing. Do you think we would have this show? Oh my gosh! If we had to do this, yeah. Dude, I don't know if, if we would. I don't know if we would have it. Could you imagine if we actually had to? Let's say if we had to set up and do the mics. Yep. You and I would probably be using like some bush league micers mics on our computers. <laughs> uh, we like the whole a laptop a laptop camera. Yes, we'd still exactly. be in our office, no doubt, with that really cute picture of us on that. People little would still table. be complaining about the audio, <laughs> and we would trying to be. Could you imagine us trying to mix it and assemble? How the many various typos segments? do you think would be in your LinkedIn post oh of like trying God. to trying to promote? Dude, this? we wouldn't have actually even got it on the Spotify by or, now. Or, They'd be like, or, "Sorry, you have to do this," or like fine tuning the LinkedIn algorithm so people actually saw our posts. Oh. No doubt. Thank no God doubt. for ADV marketing. You guys, you. you guys do great. Or the Giving website. So she's smiling Anchor, now. All that stuff. Spotify. They make it happen. She is. She does a really good job. She's hey, smiling now. I think that means we're do, in her do good they graces. Do, do they do Air Fives in in that show you like? 
the office? No, I just remember Demolition Man. Demolition Man, where they do it like that. They're like, good job, ladies. We love you. Yeah. So, okay. All right. They're happy. I mean, they're happy now. You know, the whole what if thing. That's actually actually good. We'll play some what if games later today. So, let's pick up, Christopher, where we went. Um, Yeah, it's actually uh, really exciting. Uh, we've been on a, a little bit of a kick here for EMAT. Yep. And uh, no lie, in the office today, I kind of question, like, have we done too much on yeah. EMAT? You and I shooting back and forth on do we want to do we want to go with another crack-related episode? Or uh, EMAT-specific episode. Yeah, even really EMAT-specific. Yeah. You know, but I, I, think, I think that the attention warranted uh, for EMAT or given to EMAT in our industry, maybe the confusion around EMAT honestly warrants yeah. Uh, even another episode. I think the appetite is there. I think the questions are there. Um, so I definitely think it's a good place for us to go. But before we do, I want to take just a step back. Okay. And again, I want to encourage the audience. I'm not going to go through all of the episodes yeah. that we've been through. But this whole segment really kind of started uh, back with Sean Moran uh, yep. going through that. And then you introduced EMAT. Uh, and now, then we talked about after that, the last episode was talking about, hey, catch and release. What happens after you get the pig? Yeah, catch the, the pig and then you release the hounds to go dig the stuff you want to dig yeah so now we're on like episode four right Mm. but i think we're doing episode four in chronological order not like the star wars going back yeah where it goes backwards and and then you like you you learned uh yeah darth maul's not going to show up with two swords and start slicing people up in this episode that's when we still liked anakin before he decided he wanted to slaughter babies right was he yes but that yeah was he he wasn't even in episode one which was the fourth one chronologically speaking yeah yeah, yeah, good point. Anyways, cool. Again, but today, do things in sequence. We like things, sequence, right? Do things in sequence. <laughs> we should do that. Randomly release the episodes out of order, just confusing, confusing <laughs> the daylights out of people. Um, and uh, hopefully, we have some Star Wars fans out there. Hey, if you're a Star Wars fan out there, leave it in the comments. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, you know what would be cool? You know what if? What if now that that Disney owns Marvel and Star Wars? What if? Like Thor made an appearance in the intergalactic battle between no, like can you, you know, can you imagine like a Jedi versus no? I've heard should, that theory. Stop, no, yeah, I've heard that the lights that the the, the the sounds that the guns make from pew, the, pew. Uh, the, the 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 that the star stormtroopers shoot mm. is actually very similar to some of the noises from uh, the Marvel movies. I think it's just coincidence. I yeah. I don't see a le- I don't see a legit it, it crossover would, it would there. Work. I can't no. I don't see how the Mandalorian would fit in the Avengers. No, thank you. Yeah. No, even just, though he does have that black, like lightsaber sword thing. That thing was cool. But space magic going <laughs> in with like, nah, well, let's just let's just leave it. But anyway, let's pick up today, right? So today, where I want to go, uh, Christopher, is we have given we have given our audience a lot on what to do yep. with EMAT, uh, both what they should do before the inspection, yeah, or they can get help from other operators, and then really what they can do. Um, once they get, once they catch the pig, right? But we kind of talked about a narrow window of things that you need to be prepared for once you catch the pig. Yeah, we talked a lot about preparing, not like, like, what if scenarios. Exactly. I keep saying what if. Yeah, I know. It's like you're trying to drive that point home because you're not happy with me doing it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna okay. get there. I'm gonna okay. get there. I promise. Because what we want to talk about today is our experiences, and you know mm. some of the things that can happen with operators. That's a good place to go, right? So um, before we do that, though, I want to talk about the different types of features that you can find in EMAT in general, right? Mm. Uh, So I'm going to ask to group them into really kind of two types. Let's just say pipe body and long seam, because for the most part, I think that's how it generally falls. Uh, So what are some examples of types of features that operators, good calls, things that they want to see an EMAT tool calling in the long seam? Hook cracks. We want to have those reported. 
Hook cracks. Yeah. It's one. You get us another one? Or did you just run out of gas there? <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> it's like, hook cracks. That's it. SEC That's in the long scene. SEC in the long scene. Yeah. Yeah. Not super common, but it does happen. Yeah, You're right. well, I mean, if you have ERW and there's a nice trim, or maybe yeah. not, you can find some. And SEC so hook cracks are scene. very specific to a vintage mm -hmm. of, of pipe, you know, low frequency yep. ERW and flash weld yep. prior to 1960s. And there's right. a clear focus on that, right? Yep. I mean, even if we look at some of the latest changes in the gas regulation, I know. The liquid regulation isn't that specific. We find a lot more of that prescriptive nature in the gas side. Yeah. There is a highlight specifically, right, in subpart O where it's called ERW, yeah. right? Let so me ask you another one. Yeah. What about lack of fusion? Depends. Depends on whether you want it identified mm -hmm. or whether it should be called. Um, I think that uh, you, you want it called. Absolutely. Um, and you want to have an appreciation for what's the likelihood that it is lack of fusion and not... Um, Incorrectly identified as yeah. I mean, like a fusion when it's something else. So again, else. I, I want to yep. phrase the question, right? Because I'm asking you very clearly. Yeah. Crack-like features that should be identified from an EMI. Yeah. Right? And I, I agree with you. Hook cracks, lack of fusion, SEC yep. in the long seam. Yep. Um, all things that an operator should expect to find yep. as it pertains to the long seam. What about selective seam weld corrosion? It's crack-like. Can be for sure. It can be, and then it's a stress con. It, it, the the inhomogeneity of it, or the discontinuity in the material, can create stress concentration. And if there's the right stresses in place or fatigue, then that can lead to cracking. Yep. So you could have select seam weld corrosion and cracking. Yep. So now let's talk about in mm. the long seam things mm. that may be called, but you really don't want called. So I'm thinking more mm. like things that are improperly identified. Yeah. What's typically the most common thing in the long seam that's improperly identified? Um, I would say, uh, I'll, I'll say it this way, trim artifacts. Mm, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So and I say artifacts because um, I heard that word a lot working at a previous employer where it's an artifact of. And so basically it's just a consequence of the way that the signal was influenced by something that is ge has a geometric presence in the pipeline. Absolutely So right. think of like, um, let's see if I can get you to see what I'm saying. Right, so if you have um, ERW that's trimmed, you would imagine in an ideal scenario, you have a smooth ID and a smooth OD, right? So that ultrasonic wave can propagate relatively uniformly through a homogeneous uh, wall thickness. If you have, say, flash weld, AO Smith, uh, it's untrimmed. So you have these very clear, um, edges. sharp edges. And so if you have now a sharp edge on either side, and you have this ultrasonic wave propagating, you could see how maybe one of the sharp edges could create a reflection. Absolutely. And so that could end up in an artifact in the data that is not concerning. Um, and so that could even begin to question if, if you even want that stuff reported, right? So, you know, so again, so the, that's a good example of uh, something that can be reported or maybe mistakenly reported mm -hmm. as a crack like that we've seen a lot yep. of, right? But that's a good example. You used A.O. Smith specifically. Yep. I think it's interesting because um, A.O. Smith, I mean, is kind of like a, a little brother to low-frequency ERW, right? But that oh. problem also exists on the low-frequency ERW side as well, right? Yep. So depending on how well, usually the internal trim, because the external mm. trim they're able to see, depending on how well the internal trim was, was done, can really dictate whether or not you end up with uh, a feature identified when maybe you didn't really want it identified. Yeah. So that handles, all right, so we took a look at the long seat. Let's flip and look at the pipe body. Yep. What types of things do you want EMAT to call as positive calls in your pipe body? Properly identified. Properly identified, baby. Um, cracking. <laughs> <laughs> cracking. 
What types of cracking, my friend? That was <laughs> well, there's different kinds of cracking. Uh, and I think uh, I kind of did that on purpose. Uh, one of the discussions that we had at, at one of the previous episodes was it's uh, setting the goals for the inspection. Yes. And if you set the goals for the inspection and you kind of have an appreciation for what could be in your pipeline, um, then you kind of have an expectation of, of um, what you may find reported, right? So there is a difference between potential cracking on geometric deformations, like, yeah. like a dent, or um, cracking that has a actually orientate actual orientation or circumferential orientation yeah. is that due to fatigue is that due to um corrosion like scc there's yeah. different kinds of cracking and i'd say the most common type you know uh, is really scc i yeah. mean when when operators are looking at the pipe body a positive call for them in almost all cases yeah. is really scc but we have seen several operators uh in a lot of cases where it's picked up light gouging scratching on the outside surface of the pipe um, yep. that, and that's worth noting that that can absolutely happen uh, where you have mechanical damage and I'm going to say mechanical damage absent denting, which does happen. And certainly that's a but good example. I, I think it's important to highlight though, right? That, um, I think SEC type calls are, um, have a, a higher reliability, right? That, yeah, that evaluation sure. protocol is well understood. The yep. data cooperates with, with properly mm -hmm. detecting and identifying and sizing that, that mechanism. Whereas if you're gonna deal with more of the interacting threats, mm -hmm. right, like cracking in a in a in a deformation, in this case let's call it gouging, that's more specialized, yeah. right? And it, it's actually quite difficult to establish a performance specification broadly, and you really need to look at those as as a one-off basis. Yeah. At least our experience says that. Um, but I'm thinking about one where again it looked like you know, I mean again you can get an, you can get a tooth from an excavator to, to yeah. scrape along a pipeline, remove a pretty substantial amount of material without using without leaving a large deformation. Yeah. Um, and let, so now, what are some types of things that are often called mm -hmm. in the pipe body that is not what we're looking for, right? Steep-sided corrosion. That's the favorite one. Steep-walled yeah. corrosion. Can you? Yep. All right, the audience out there, maybe oh it's boy. like me. Uh, you know what I'm going to ask oh you. Boy. You're going to get angry. Are you going to get angry if no. I ask it? Come on, Chris. Will you please explain <laughs> what steep-walled corrosion is? Because I hear that used a whole lot. Like oh, that was steep-walled corrosion. What? I, I'm not going to overcomplicate this. I'm going to keep it simple. Keep it simple, baby. Imagine a morphology of corrosion that is deep and very uh, pronounced. Um, and so, when you think of a corrosion pit, don't think of this gradual loss of this gradual change of metal loss, like something smooth. Think of very, very rigid. So if you're looking at the profile, like a cross section of pipe, your corrosion would fall off and then have some general corrosion and then fall off again, general corrosion, fall off again. And what you're trying to accomplish is remember if you have this, this ultrasonic wave coming through the pipe, through the cross section, is there something sharp enough that can create a reflection? Yeah. And that's basically where you end up with a false positive. If you have a nice gradual smooth metal loss profile or relatively smooth, that wave will kind of, you know, make it through that, that metal loss and the analyst can pick that up. Yeah. So that's Absolutely. what they mean by steep sided corrosion where one of the parts of the profile of the corrosion is steep. Yep. Cool. Is that Good what explanation? How was yeah. that? It was good. I, I mean, the physical explanation was good. I think the challenge is, is yeah. that word gets thrown out a lot. Oh, yeah. And I don't, you know, so like you think about something like selective seam weld corrosion, mm. there's actually a metric that says it's selective seam weld. If the gouge depth mm. versus the width is greater than a certain value, mm. it's classified. I've never mm. seen a physical classification for mm. steep walled corrosion that says, hey, maybe if your, your length to depth profile exceeds this, oh, it's yeah. steep walled. You know, that doesn't exist out there. So 
yeah. um, be an interesting thing. It to ends put up just being a result of the circumstance, right? It's, so it's yeah. very circumstantial, yeah. and so I'm going to say it's subjective. There is not an objective yeah. measure of seatbelt corrosion. Yeah. All right. So what's an example of uh, another one? Yeah. My favorite. What about what about laminations? Um, I do know early on EMAT had a lot of challenges with this. They've definitely gotten better about yeah. it. And and I'll just say this. I mean, I feel like this episode is a lot of like scenarios that we've seen, yep. right? Just playing off our experience a bit. I mean, we've seen a lot of EMAT inspections and a lot of EMAT results. Um, I, I would just highlight, I would use this opportunity to highlight, that's where, where that complementary technology of MFL comes into play. Yeah. Right? So MFL can do a good job of saying, hey, you have a, a mid-wall manufacturing feature here mm -hmm. and then you can integrate that with whatever the signal data is on EMAT and then make an educated decision and then you could look at driving force right because we always try to think of it that way right right we say we have to understand your tow properties to understand how a yeah. feature will behave in that material then you have some discontinuity or some type of threat whether it's crack or blunt or smooth or sharp and then you have a driving force right so yeah. a stress and so if you have a lamination, depending on how you're operating it, it could be perfectly fine, especially if you've hydro-tested at 1.25 times MAOP. If there's a lot of fatigue, then maybe you need to think about that. Okay. All right. Or metal loss. What if you pressurize the lamination? Yeah, let's get into that a different day. No, yeah. that's, an, that's a different episode. I don't yeah. know if that's a really an interesting episode, to that be honest. Be. I get that question asked so much. But now is where we're going to get into the meat of it. So now, you know, audience is hanging with us. Who's who? So who gets to play the what if scenarios? How are we gonna do this? Let's go, go back, back and, and forth. forth. We're yeah, going let's back go and back forth. and forth. So you get first. You get you paper rock scissors. See who goes first. Oh, I'm so gonna go. smoke you. Ready? Ready? One tempon. I got, oh. I got first. I got dibs. All right. So Miss Producer's angry that she <laughs> didn't break out her cell phone quick enough to get that on the on the, the site. For those of you out there, I won. I threw down <laughs> rock. Chris threw down scissors. So I go first. Chopper style. All right. So Chris. Yep. You get an inspection, it comes back, you have 120 long seam features. Oh boy. All right. I'm gonna say you have 120 long seam features. It's AO Smith pipe that you were inspecting, so not necessarily unexpected. Okay. You got 10. AO Smith, got it. 10 pipe body features. 10 pipe body, got it. All the long seam features, you're, you're, you're using minimum. I'm gonna flush a sample out of where you're using minimum, minimum values from the updated gas rule. In-service failure or not? All of them are coming, in-service failure or not. Yeah. Oh, wait, you're, you're, does the you're line have, yeah, does the line finish? have in-service Yeah, you're asking questions, hold yeah. on, okay. I gotta get through the scenario. All right. So we got 120 long seam features, okay. 10 pipe body features, you're using minimum properties. Yep. From the updated gas rule, you're all coming back with rupture pressure ratios less than 1.1. Oh boy. What do you do? Yep. What so, if? Yeah, so. I would start now with, you know why I went first. It's okay. I would start with some <laughs> guidance from 1176, which basically says um, take a look at the, the signal data uh, in collaboration with your ILI a service provider and then start your data integration process. And obviously each pipeline and each operator will have different amounts of data that they can integrate. And I would start looking at things like uh, what could be a cause for some of these long seam features to be artifacts like we said. How much of this manufacturing um, pipe manufacturing related, not that it's a, a manufacturing flaw, but rather the way that that pipe was made. So you said EFW, uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier, mm -hmm. so um, I, I, I would schedule a call with the analyst and, and I would ask them to take me through um, if they felt that there was a confidence in these features and to what level, 
you know, uh, I normally start with that type of question. Why? Because then they will usually surface if there were speed excursion issues, sensor loss issues, um, a wall thickness issue, if they were able to fully saturate the pipe with the ultrasonic wave. That'll surface a lot of things. So I'll start with, hey, analyst, um, you know, one, thanks for making time, and two, let's go through some of this data. Let's look at the signal data and help me understand what confidence you have. Uh, assuming all of them have the same level of confidence, uh, there's a lot of what-ifs we could take there, then I would, I would look at length. I would look at a lot of these feature lengths to see what's driving that burst pressure to be so low. I know you said we're using some default Sharpie values from the updated regs, but I definitely look at length. Yeah. If, it, if any of these get uh, of any type of substantial length, like anything greater than maybe six inches, I, I would probably put those in one bucket as likely um, or possible manufacturing related. So I called 1176, I'd encourage you to take a look at it. It gives you an option to classify features as likely crack, possible crack, unlikely crack and each of those have a different response criteria. Um, they do encourage the industry not to have the ILI vendor do that. Uh, the analysts do it specifically because they want it to be a data integration process. That's a good, that's a good monologue that Sorry. you went on there, yeah. right? Well, it's a what if. It was, you did a yeah. great so job. So hopefully, you know what, since it's my what if, what I'm gonna say is it's out of the 120, there were probably only 10 of them that were shorter than 10 inches, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna go dig a subset of those and a subset of the, the ones that are longer than 10 inches. Yeah, so I want to I want to pick up a little bit on this because yeah. I want to go and we have some more. I'm going to give you your turn to what if me next. Okay. But before we do, we're going to take a break and hear from one of our sponsors. So hang in there, guys. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kara Turner. I am the managing director and co-founder of ADV Marketing. We get the honor of working with Rhett and Christopher to produce this crazy podcast and also work with them on any other initiatives that they have when it comes to marketing. And if you know them or are listening to this podcast, you know that it gets pretty crazy around here. So we have a lot of fun with them. ADV Marketing is a full-service business-to-business marketing agency. Um, we specialize in service companies and technology companies. So if you are enjoying listening to this podcast and the fun that they're having, reach out to us and see how we can make your marketing fun. All right, welcome back. We are knee-deep into our what-if scenario that I threw at Chris after I've got our one such that a good one for you. You're going to want to reshoot this episode. It's so hard. I doubt that. But after, anyway, I asked the first what if, namely because I am a master of paper, rock, scissors, mm -hmm. and destroyed crust. <laughs> but also, please note, if we've done anything else, whether that was horseshoes or Ooh. cornhole, there's any Ooh. number of things, swimming, running, yeah. uh, everything apparently except for jumping, I would have won. Um, so, Chris, we, we opened up with what if you had 120 long seam features, yep. all of them coming back with FPRs less than 1.1. Yep. And I asked, what would you do? You went through a, a really good uh, process of looking at the signal data, data yep. integration, um, and even maybe looking at the length of the features to help subdivide them. But I want to take a step back from there and ask you, to what objective? Sure. What are you trying to achieve yep. in doing all of that? When you have that volume of data, um, you want to try to understand how well the data is identifying uh, flaws or defects that matter. And so basically what I tried to do with the whole length component is you got to create grouping so that you can tackle it. So you divide and conquer. So when you say features that mm -hmm. matter, that, that, I, I like that term. Is it synonymous with integrity threat? Exactly. Would that be synonymous? You know, so I think it's um, it's 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 a threat to integrity. Let's put it like that. Yeah. Not integrity so it's nine seventeen. Nine seventeen okay. says the one uh, uh, says seamweld flaws that could be detrimental to the pipe mm -hmm. integrity. 
Yep. And so basically, with the intent of it being, if it's longer than, say, I'm picking something 10 inches, then I'm, I'm, I'm. My hypothesis is that it's manufacturing related. Yeah. And so now it's interesting you bring up manufacturing since we're talking primarily yep. about the seam. So you got these 120. Obviously, I'm assuming out of that 120, you're trying to avoid excavating all 100. Well, it's not that I want to avoid. I want to properly allocate my resources. Properly. I, mm, I like how you said that. Mm -hmm. That's really based good. on Use risk. The, I really like this. So now you're yep. talking about prioritizing the features according to where you have the highest risk so that you get the most integrity bang for your buck, identifying yep. features that potentially are a pipeline, a threat to the pipeline. Why and how are you so, I'm gonna say, dismissive of manufacturing features? Well, specifically for this pipeline, one of the things I mentioned was data integration. So in this what okay. if, I'm saying that we have on record a subpart J 1.25 mm. times MEOP hydro test. And, and since we're dealing with gotcha. manufacturing-related flaws, I'm also in this one if saying that we can use a Kiefner report and say we have low or almost negligible cyclic fatigue as a as a threat on this pipeline. Then if I have a hydro test, then I can, with significant confidence, say that features of certain length are manufacturing-related. Then I can say these are stable defects because there's not enough of a driving force to drive them to be an entire gotcha. concern. I'm, I'm going to cheat here. I, oh I boy. apologize. You're going to cheat. I'm going to cheat because I'm going to do a what if. Are you going to do that during our race if. too? Um, are you going to do that during the race? You know, if anything is worth winning, it's worth cheating for. So, um, my Good question: thing Morgan to you. doesn't watch this show. <laughs> you leave my wife's name out of your mouth. He's about um, to slap me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, I can't do it. I knocked this. I knocked this lovely setup over. Uh, what, does your opinion of that change if you don't have a subpart J hydro test? What? Let me ask you the question: Ooh. What if you don't have a subpart J hydro test there? I, I don't think it changes significantly. Okay. I don't. I we think, don't have to go into all yeah, the details. Yeah, I think. In a, I think in a, in a, in a uh, what you would have to consider in more depth is um, the number of features that you would have to investigate through excavation to gain confidence that those truly are manufacturing related. Cool. It's that it. So where do you draw that line in length and depth between one feature and another to say, we're classifying these as manufacturing related and these more environmentally assisted, likely the type crack we're looking for. Gotcha. All right. Ms. Producer, has he sufficiently answered the what if scenario? We can move to the next one. She's, yeah, she's o o overwhelming confidence, yes. Yes. Really? You saw yeah, that? Overwhelming. You and I interpreted that result. That was kind of like an NDE dig in the ditch. You and I definitely saw that different. different. Yeah. Different text, different measurement. <laughs> All right, your turn, my friend. Okay. So you run uh, an EMAT in a pipeline that is seamless. Oh, boy. With coal tar coating. Oh, boy. The threat is SEC in the pipe body and you get you get a hundred calls in the portion of the pipe that is seamless what do you do <laughs> you can take some more time to think about it if you you, <laughs> you get out of the industry and you start an <laughs> excavation. <laughs> that is when you call a different consultant for help. <laughs> you call thing 21. Uh, no, that's a good question, right? So, Chris, I, I, I think what's, what's, what's really kind of cool about the what-if scenario we're playing is the reason I asked you for the objective is the objective is still the same. Yep. 
you want to find the integrity threat that matters, right? Yep. And I like how you did that. You played off of Seamless, mm -hmm. um, and you played off of the coding. So I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of a different step okay. with you. Uh, I don't think my, my, my thing doesn't change. The the answer you're I'm still think twenty, change. no matter what. Your thing doesn't I am change. Think 20, but I was going to say the process that we outlined okay. doesn't change. We're going to go back through looking at the signal data with the analyst okay. and understanding their confidence. Yep. But I think understanding what might be fooling them is a little different now. Okay. Right. So I don't want to start there. I have to realize that in seamless pipe, that stuff is full of garbage mm -hmm. that are, can actually produce signals. So a bad construction the company, they left a lot of stuff in the pipe it's just, that, it, that impeded the sensors, is so what you're let's saying? Let's talk about the seamless process naturally introduces a lot of a lot of garbage into so the noise pipe. a lot because of, of the way it's constructed so Both. variations in wall thickness well you can get dirty steel and then also just from the way that the 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 the, the, the inside is bored out i'm going to use that word it's okay. not the right term yep will produce signal artifacts in the data yeah that are in the pipe body that we actually didn't talk about in the beginning so you got to recognize you're going to have that problem yeah the second potential is while coal tar enamel is a a huge uh a huge contributor to scc yep we also recognize that coal tar enamel can cause coating reflection issues sometimes as well. Yeah. Uh, now the operators, I will say the vendors, have gotten much better at being able to discriminate those, but yeah. they, they are still some pretty nasty situations that can exist. So uh, immediately I'm put on guard with, you call, you gave me, a, how many features was it? 100, 100. same thing. You 100. gave me 100 features. Too many to dig all of them, not low enough to we can dig all of them. I highly doubt all 100 of these are probably real integrity threats. Yep. I need to immediately sort out which one of these are related to manufacturing because mm -hmm. I've got a process that's not good and I've potentially got a steel that's not good, right? Yep. Then I'm going to use the data integration a little bit differently. So if I'm depending on if my threat that I was going for was SCC, yep. Right, I'm going to start prioritizing things closer to the compressor station downstream because okay. it's likely where it was warmer. Yep. Um, I'm going to be looking at whether or not there's any variations in coding at all. Yeah. Um, and then I would also potentially look at groupings of signals. Right. So okay. um, if I have signals that are grouped together or in close proximity to each other, yeah. um, a third thing I would do again is I would be talking to the analyst. Hopefully, hopefully. I ordered a coding assessment, and maybe I can begin to look at areas where the coding looks poor as well. So yeah. I'm going to do the same, not altogether different process than you, Chris. Yeah. I'm going to go talk to the analyst. I want to get their confidence in the signal data. Yep. I want to integrate the other data I have, and then I'm absolutely going to go and start verifying. But when I go to verify, I'm going to be honest, I'm I'm going to anticipate. Yep. I'm going to be finding things that are not my quote-unquote immediate or what did you say the word you used was features that matter i'm yep. going to be finding features, features that, that don't matter. matter so i want to ask you one question and we're going to go a little bit deeper here so we've identified these features but you started my what if with if you had a burst pressure calculation yep. that gave you a, a rupture pressure ratio less than one in in your circumstance of pipe body seamless with coating um in our previous episode, you said there's, there, and there's more than four, but there's four main uh, fraction mechanics models that we yeah. hear to calculate. Do, would you prefer one of those or the other, or do, or does that approach matter at this point? Um, I would say it depends on the quality of the data I have, right? So mm -hmm. if I have no material properties, um, you're going to be looking at using defaults that are going to probably push you away from a log secant model. Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm looking to prioritize them, mm -hmm. not necessarily to justify fitness for service, yeah. Uh, I, I kind of like the log secant model in, in that case because I'll be honest with you, yeah. all things being equal, 
the prioritization between different models a lot of times won't necessarily change if you just rank them by burst pressure, right? Yeah. So they all do a decent job in terms of producing the same ranking, but when we talk about fitness for service, that's yeah. different. So again, at this point, you and I are just talking about where to go out in the field. Yeah. I'm fine throwing something that's robust like log seeking at it yeah. uh, if I have the properties to support it. And if I'm hunting SCC, um, that's usually a ductile failure mode. So, and again, you, you gave me seamless pipe. Yep. I'm actually probably okay that I'm gonna be looking at more ductile failures there. Yeah. So and I'm okay with that. I, I like, you know, what we try to do there for the audience is both of our responses were very much geared in step one of having all these features of understanding the data, right? What is the ILI tool telling us? And frankly, I, I believe that there is a component of discovery there, right? On the gas side, you know, typically there's a big talk about discovery on the liquid side as well around, you know, you have 180 days from your inspection time to discover. And I feel like yeah. our, both of our response was organic around, and I think that's telling, is it's all these are not integrity threats. We need to understand what the ILI tool is telling us. Yep. Right, and I think that's pretty neat. And that involves going out there, right? And so I think that is one of the things, you, you have to gather data, yeah. right? But what I like is that, again, you have to understand, I think, with, with when every report, when you get it, you need to understand what your objective is. Yeah. Right, you've stated the objective as find the features that matter. Yep. Right, I stated it when you asked me materials. Well, yep. what model I use depends on my objective. Am I just trying to prioritize features to determine which one might be worse than yep. other in a relative sense? Yep. Or am I trying to tell somebody, I think my burst pressure is 1.39 times my MOP, which is completely yep. different, right? Th those two things necessitate a different level of, of accuracy in how we do them. Okay. So let's keep this what-if scenario going. Okay. This, this was good, right? Let's get into it. So in your scenario that I gave you, yep. you were trying to specifically avoid finding manufacturing flaws in the long seeds. So yep. audience, track back with me. We're back in Christmas we'll separate 120. Them. Yep. yep, separate them. Yep. You met with the analyst. You, yep. identified, uh, you identified 10 features. Let's make it easy. You wanted to go after, okay? Uh, you, those are the ones that you thought had the highest confidence of, yep. of being uh, something that mattered. You went out there. Out of those ten, <clears throat> you found eight instances of lack of fusion and two instances of, of hook cracks or under trim. What does it mean for you? Yeah. So ten instances of manufacturing related features. Zero yeah. hits on SCC. Yeah, I would say that's really good. I'm happy. What do you do with the remaining 110? 110. Um, I mentioned earlier that um, you know the idea there was to do a subset of those that were shorter than 10 inches, and that was this, just this one, yep. and a subset of them that were larger than 10 inch. And if in any of those circumstances I did not find SEC, then um, I would feel very confident, depending on what my material properties were. Again, because that did you gather material properties when you were doing these excavations? In, in this case, we didn't. I did. I did try to hot tap and get a coupon out to do some testing. But that wasn't an option so for me. So it's interesting you took that approach. Yep. Let me, let me, let me, I want to go here a little bit. Yep. What are you going to do with the remaining of the features that are still having a one a, I'm a rupture pressure as, less than one point one? I'm classifying those as monitored. monitored I'm classifying how? them as unlikely cracks. Back to AP, RP eleven seventy six, I would classify them as unlikely cracks because they are crack like in nature because they're manufacturing related. However, we do not have the driving force that's needed to drive them to failure before my next integrity assessment and because I, they're monitored not forgotten and i think those are different i, I like where you went there i think yeah. you and i might disagree on this okay i'm curious all right but i think you can really only do that because you had that subpart j hydro test 
again, you didn't have that subpart again, J hydro test, I think it you, becomes very difficult to to to, to document that those wasn't as my, stable. You didn't define that. I defined that, so that was part of my what if. Good. All right, it was good, man. <laughs> I, I like it. But that scenario is real. You and I have played yeah, that out with operators many times before. And and what what I highlight here, the takeaway is it's it's very difficult to have have a right answer. You know, a lot of times what I like to tell our customers is it's number one, whichever consultant you work with will have a different approach. So it's very easy to get consultants to debate as to which approach is best. So number one, it's really important to just understand what your consultant's recommending. And two, it's really important for the operator to have a clear understanding of what their risk tolerance is, right? Because not every operator will make the, have the same decision-making process for what they're willing to dig or what is enough excavation so that they can feel confident in whether they made the right decisions or not. So the ball's back in you. Do you want to throw yeah, a last what if for I me? I will. Let me think of a good one. Give me a minute. Do we need to stop the no, show so you can no, do it? No, 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 no. Give me a second. Smoke? <laughs> All right. Because um, his wheels are turning, this producer. They're turning so hard, he's yeah. actually smoking. The gears oh. are burning up. <laughs> it's because we're... It's, it, it's, uh, she yeah. thinks we're idiots. Oh, oh. I know she does. <laughs> no, she enjoys this. We can't be late next time. Yeah, we, we enjoy this. Okay. What if? Um, what if uh, you ran an EMAT tool in a pipeline and... Um, and Oh, I got one. Boom. Oh, I got a good one. What if... You are going to hydro test the pipeline, and that hydro test is going to start with a spike test to at least 100% smice. Okay. So it's a spike test. But while you're filling the line with water, you're using that to push an EMAT through the line. So you've now deployed an EMAT and an MFLC if, or spiral, whatever you need to complement the EMAT, and you've trapped it. Once you've trapped the tool, the tool is extra, taken out of the receiver, you download the data, and as the next activity, you now pressure up the line, you spike test, the tool data goes off to wherever it needs to go to get analyzed, you spike test, no failures, you strength test, 1.25 times MVP, no failures. God, that was ready? Such Here we go. a long yeah. what-if scenario. Here we go. We should you ready? Have it. You ready? And now you get a report back with 23, 20 features in the pipe body and five features in the long seam. Yeah. All with rupture pressure ratios under one because of material properties being defaulted and you have not had an in-service failure. Do you respond? Do you go and excavate? Clearly those? your hydro test was wrong. Do you, do you <laughs> dig? What do you do with those 25 calls? They all have burst pressure ratios under 1.1. But so you just passed the spike test and the strength I was, hydro. You gotta be honest, I was really wondering where you were going with that, yeah. with that do you elaborate dig explanation. Yeah, do you dig them? No, you don't dig them. Why so not? Think, because, well look, this is where you You've got an ILI report that tells you you have critical features in the you pipeline. shut your mouth. <laughs> uh, the reality is, you know as well as I do, and the audience out there, this is where you absolutely have got to separate your integrity assessment from Ooh. understanding what's in the pipeline. This goes back to objective. Maybe we should have renamed the episode, not what if, but objective, 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 like location, location, location yeah. in, in objective real matters. estate. Yeah. Objective matters. 
When you, in that scenario you described, the hydro test is your integrity assessment to justify the strength of the line. Yep, the Check integrity that box of the line. And move on. The integrity of the line, yes. Yeah. That so you're what, do so, so now walk us through. So, what do you do with the EMAT data that you have now? What you do with the EMAT data that you have is you use it to know what else is in your line. You may mm -hmm. go look at some of those locations, but yeah. if you do so, you're doing it to understand the threat that you have in the line yeah. and what remained after the hydro test. So, it's like, test. A data, it's like a data gathering, data integration process. Yeah, you might process. use it to understand whether you want to use EMAT as a to, to justify the subsequent yeah. reinspection interval, right? Rather yeah. than using a hydro test. So it's great data. I think the problem is, is if you do what you described and you say, hey, you must go dig those other 20 features, the logical output, because we're human, is, well, I'm never going to do that again yeah. because the EMAC collected data that's not helpful for me. Yep. And as an industry, that's backwards thinking rather than forward thinking. So, oh, backwards thinking. What if the order of that was flipped? What if you had just pigged it with EMAT a week before in service and then you hydro test? Can you still not respond to the EMAT data? Or would you change your approach? I don't, you know, I'm, I'm going to say, to be honest, the only thing that you're looking for there is is pressure reversals. And I don't want to get into that in that yep. episode. My opinion on that does not change. Your integrity assessment is based off of the hydro test. Yep. Could you have had some growth from the hydro test? Yeah, but that needs to be answered separately and typically will not be large enough to change the conclusions that you reached from the hydro test. Yeah, that was a fun what if. Did it you was, like that one? Man, you did really well. Yeah. That was pretty good. All right, on that note, hey, look, we are going to wrap up that episode. Thing 20, thing 21, having so much fun with you today. Remember, you know, the one thing that stuck out with me on this episode, as yeah. you talk about getting your EMAT results back, is what is your objective? Yeah. Always be thinking about that. As you call to get help, think about that. It relates to your what uh, to what your risk profile is and the yeah. information that you have available to you. Key point is you don't need to dig every feature and you should not be digging every feature. And definitely, yeah. if you have a hydro test <laughs> on the back of it, you shouldn't be either. But anyway, this episode was fun. Uh, thank you for joining us. We're going to be back next week bringing uh, the Fudge Factor or another guest is going to be coming back with us. So be on the lookout. And thank you very much. I'm your host, Thing20, and my co-host, Thing21. Till next time. Box jumping, that's what they're called. I can yeah, box, I can't jump, box jump that hell though. Oh, well that's what I mean. Why I bet you I can jump this. One, then fun. Ready? One, then fun. Best out of five, let's go! But are you ready? Are we shooting? Yeah, you ready to go? I think so. Sorry, we don't want to get mad. My bad. We don't want her to be mad. <laughs>